I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace, and with me this, this month is Deputy Editor Steve Bridgewater. Hello, Steve. Hi, Tim. And uh, we've got apologies uh, this month from uh, Features Editor uh, Bella Richards, who's uh, a little bit hoarse this morning, uh, but uh, uh, fear not, she will be back with us next month. Uh, welcome to Aerospace No Time, another edition of our regular series of new podcasts global aviation, aerospace and space news and what we have in the upcoming next issue of aerospace, March 2024. Uh, gosh, how how time has flown by. In the magazine, <laughs> we, we cover everything from GA to space flight to airliners to airports, from air law to EV tolls. So, um, first off, where have we been in the past month? Steve? We've, we've been, been to Singapore. <laughs> we've been to Singapore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wow, uh, a full-on week of uh, all the aviation news and excitement out in Singapore. Uh, we have a special podcast uh, for that, covering uh, rounding up the week's news. Uh, I think it was, it was it was pretty useful, uh, pretty interesting out there. It was a good trip. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff there that you generally don't see at um, the the more Western shows, the Paris and the uh, the Farnbrothers of this world. So yeah, interesting to see a lot of Chinese aircraft there, and also a lot of Chinese exhibitors within the halls from everything from quadcopter drones through to um you know sensors and all sorts of very interesting stuff so yeah it was a real eye-opener for me my first time in singapore and um thoroughly enjoyed it brilliant um so while we've been in 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 singapore there's been no uh let up in the aviation news uh going on elsewhere uh what, what's caught your eye elsewhere around the world well it's... I'm going to, uh, as per normal, look at a couple of um, stories from the, the lighter end of aviation that we've got featured in the March issue of Aerospace. Um, and one of them involves Bertram Picard. Um, this yeah. is, you may remember Bertram Picard around the world in the balloon, most recently did, flew the solar impulse around the world in 2016. Well, he's going around the world again, uh, this time in climate impulse is the name of the aircraft, and it's hydrogen powered. So uh, looking at making the first round-the-world attempt uh, in a hydrogen-powered aeroplane, uh, planning that for 2028. So, um, you know, the aircraft's under construction at the moment in France. And I think uh, an interesting project with the amount of development that's gone on recently with hydrogen aircraft, I think we're seeing more and more pushes towards hydrogen from the standard electric now. So, um, yeah, Bertrand's always been at the um, the forefront of, of technologies and I think flying around the world what better showcase for this this new propulsion? And that's that's non-stop, isn't it? It is, yeah, non-stop around the world. And was, yeah, so uh, really a, a really interesting. Yeah, there are sort of snippets of what the aircraft's going to look like, and it, it's very Rutan-esque, as you would imagine, with long, long, thin, high aspect ratio wings, and um, you know, twin fuselage, uh, mostly to carry fuel. But um, yeah, I think it's always been these big pushes that have promoted technology and advanced technology. If you look back to, you know, the um, even the early days of flight with Alcock and Brown going across the Atlantic and the Vimy and, and the long distance flights down to India and South Africa and Australia, it's always been those 
um, technology pushes which have really brought these aerospace leaps to the attention of the world. And I think that's probably going to be the case again with uh, with Bertrand Picard in 2028. Brilliant. OK. Um, so, yeah, as, as for, for me, uh, what, what I've been keeping an eye on, um, we had, I think that this, this came uh, just at the tail end of uh, the Singapore show, was uh, the Russians have lost another A, uh, A50U AWACS aircraft um Early, airborne early warning uh, plane and uh, again that's the second one shot down uh, so these are high value assets um, mm-hmm. very expensive planes obviously a lot of uh, uh, um, you know kind of human operators on, on board specialists there um, and, and it, they've, they've been shot down um, again the se- second one you know one of I think there are nine in their inventory so not mm-hmm. that many uh, and a, a huge blow to, uh, you know, the Russian Air Force and, uh, and also they've, they've been losing other, uh, other stuff like SU-34s, a couple of SU, uh, SU-35s, uh, I think they're, they're all told in the, in about, uh, 10 aircraft, 10 or 11 aircraft in about 10 days. Uh, so really, you know, a, a really sort of like bad week for, for Russian air power and, um, Again, this seems to be this seems to be sort of like a, 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 a sandbush uh, mm. of uh, the Ukrainians moving around a surface to air missile um, and uh, using it quite uh, you know innovatively mm-hmm. uh, to target this, uh, uh, this this aircraft. You know, uh, so. Another, it was in roughly the same geographical area as the first one, wasn't it? This, this yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so um, you you would have thought they would have, they would have learned from that, but it, it it's blinding them. It's 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 making their it's making their their um, you know surveillance of the front line, surveillance of what what's happening uh, of uh, in in the Ukrainian air airspace, et cetera, et cetera. What's happening on the front line? Even uh, you know, sort of like uh, more difficult. So um, yeah, that that. that, that Playing the numbers game here, they've lost, what, two out of seven A50s, yeah. is that right? I mean, we're getting, is it three wedge tails to do a yeah. similar sort of job in the Royal Air Force? You know, you've got to ask the question here. You know, these are clearly airframes which put themselves in harm's way and that are at risk. Is three enough? So. Yes, uh, and, and as, as we had in the uh, the, the last issue of uh, aerospace, uh, we had uh, Dr. Le- Dave Slogart looking at uh, you know the idea of putting uh, AW airborne early warning to space uh, early yep. warning. Now we have we have space early warning for for missiles. Uh, there's 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 tracking things there that use infrared uh, sensors to track uh, missile pl- you know ballistic missile plumes. Uh, that's that's been well known. Um, so. You know, maybe maybe now people are, are, are you know, because people are now taking a fresh look at well, what if you put radar? Uh, well, there are radar satellites, but you know, is it possible to move some some of the some of the uh, some of the the airborne early warning capabilities into low Earth orbit? What, what else has been going on then? Uh, I'm going to stick on um, new and innovative fuels. Um, I'm going to um, actually focus on a story about the Air League, uh, ah, okay. who have launched Britain's first electric flying scholarship. Uh, so the Air League um, provides lots of aviation scholarships, one of the many organisations in the UK that do that. Um, and But this is the first one which is focused on electric powered aircraft. So using the uh, Pipistrelle Velis, the electro version, 
an aircraft I'm sure lots of people are familiar with, long, high aspect ratio wings again, high wing aeroplane. Um, and uh, they will see five young people from disadvantaged backgrounds from across the UK awarded up to five flying hours in this electric aircraft. So they're going to be flying out of Norwich with a company called Saxon Air. Um, and the Electro, I've got a friend who flew the Electro recently, and it's a phenomenal aeroplane. You know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the range is not quite there yet for qualifying cross countries and, and uh, training like that. But for so, yeah, general handling, circuits, touch and goes, the, yeah, getting up to going solo, it really is a fantastic machine. And I think, you know, looking to the future of flight training, I know there are a number of um, of um, FTOs around the world now looking at electrifying their basic trainer fleet. So, uh, you know, you know, as the push towards net zero comes, I think this is an obvious. We know that electric propulsion isn't there yet for regional aircraft. Yeah. So maybe, you know, the focus on GA. The, I mean, we've got a, a huge pilot shortage at the moment. So there's going to be over the coming years a huge amount of training undergoing. So, um, yeah, maybe that's something that uh, that we look at as a, a way to to reduce the carbon at the bottom end of the uh, the flying schedule. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's interesting. Well, first off, is the, the the huge reduction in, in in kind of operating costs, isn't it? And the 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 fact you can get it down. I don't say almost pennies, but we're we're getting there to uh, to sort of flight training. I mean that's that's a real sort of uh, saving. If that can be passed on to, if in, that can be passed indeed. on to stu- students, yeah. And there's a rollout now of of charging stations across airfields across the south of England. I know that's something that's looking to expand across the whole of the UK now. So. Um, you know, for the, the, the short hop cross country, um, that's certainly something which is now doable. Um, so, you know, if you, you know, invariably when you learn to fly, you, you fly somewhere and you have a cup of tea and a debrief. So while you're having a cup of tea and a piece of cake and maybe a bacon sandwich and something else to eat, your aircraft can be charging ready for your return flight. Yeah, and staying on the environmental uh, uh, topic, uh, the other thing that's caught my eye is that uh, there is a French company who has uh, has reserved uh, Airlander 10 uh, airship um, orders to uh, to go and go and cruise the Arctic and, and other um, sort of out of way places. Uh, obviously, uh, low impact, low carbon. Yeah. Uh, land anywhere with the with the airlander uh, and this company called uh, Grand Espaces, um, you know, luxury luxury airship travel uh, over remote parts parts of the world, and you're not uh, you're not impact well, you're not impacting the environment the, uh, very much. Uh, uh, great idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. It's almost going back to the to the the cruising of the 1920s, isn't it, with the the luxury cruise liners. Yeah, you know, yes, yeah. So, I mean, what a great experience that would be. I'll put my name down for that and straight away. Um, um, what else? What else have we got? What else? Uh, I'm going to stick with light aircraft, but a little bit heavier um, with Piper's New Fury. So um, Piper have unveiled a new version of their single engine turboprop. Um, listeners may be familiar with the Malibu series, the PA46. It's been around since the 70s. Can you believe the Malibu? Wow. Started off as a piston-powered aircraft, now turboprop, and the latest version is the M700 Fury. Um, was unveiled in February, um, so it's got um, a PT6, as you would imagine, turboprop, 700 shaft horsepower, uh, 300 knots, 30,000 feet, and it's the replacement for the existing M600 variant. But what's interesting, they've kept the maximum all-up weight below 6,000 pounds, and the reason behind that is the FAA in the US have something called basic med. 
Um, so it's uh, a little bit like what used to be the National Private Pilot's Licence here in the UK, so a less stringent medical requirement, um, which cuts off at £6,000. So they've kept this aircraft's maximum weight below that, which will enable pilots that fly on basic med category to uh, to own and fly what they describe as an efficient cross-country thoroughbred. And it's really is a nice looking aeroplane. So um, good to see you know, companies such as Piper innovating. So, you know, we, we've got lots of new companies coming into the industry, but, um, you know, the the old guard of Cessna and Piper are, are still out there and um, you know, still manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, if I can say it, a very cool looking aeroplane. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, uh, definitely. And um, anything else from you, Tim? Yeah, well, we've, we've obviously got, uh, I mean, this is, this has been ongoing. Uh, we've talked about it before on the, on the podcast, uh, the latest twist in the Boeing saga and uh, what, what is happening there. So, uh, we've had the NTSB report, uh, in, uh, and they looked at, they did an investigation and they found that, that the, the, uh, an interim report found out that the, uh, the door plugs, uh, there was bolts missing from the, the door plugs at the actual factory. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's now been an aviation safety panel uh, with uh, you know, FAA. Uh, FAA has, has issued a report and uh, it, it's, been, it's been pretty critical of uh, the safety culture of Boeing. Um, um, you know, look, looked into it there that there's... There still, still seems to be issues there about um, hesitation reporting safety concerns. Uh, this SMS doesn't seem to be be working, uh, and this is this is on top of um, you know obviously the previous two Max crashes. So uh, you know that 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 was a, 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 a huge worldwide. Um, crisis uh, of confidence boeing said you know we're going to we're going we're, we're to keep our eye on this this will never happen again faa has gone in there and and, and uh you know conducting interviews took taken an audit and found out there's, there's still problems going on and that is why they've got this uh, quality control issue and uh these uh sms uh, style uh style issues going on so uh latest thing as we as we record now is that they've got uh they've been given uh you know 90 days to fix the uh serious safety safety uh issues uh that were found in the report you know inadequate confusing disconnect last lack of awareness um uh now what what the FAA can do beyond this uh, is a, is a is a moot point of well you know if you don't um, you know if you what what is the what is the the you know um, what is the punishment if you don't fix this um, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure but uh, there are yeah. findings there it's all out in public and uh, we're just going to have to sort of see now uh, as to how they they, they can. Uh, you know they can can get back from this. You know, one thing again to go back to Singapore is is there was no uh, Boeing commercial airliners there. Uh, yeah. That they're, they're all completely and utterly mostly focused now on on sorting out uh, this this latest yeah. uh, um, you know sort of challenge. You say what what are the punishments? Well, I don't think we need anything more than the reputation damage that's been done so far. You know, it's uh, yeah these issues are being reported in the mainstream media. Um, yes. And I think that is that is you know, enough of a concern for a, a big organisation like Boeing uh, when it comes to its you know its its reputation on the global scene, not just with people who are buying their aeroplanes, but people who fly on them. So um, not, yeah, I think that's, even, that's enough of a worry. 
Yeah, I mean, not not even who, who people who fly on them. It, it's the general yeah. public now. Uh, and when you're when you're when you're being pilloried uh, on um, you know sort of Saturday Night Live and and, and yeah. things like that, and and uh, you know you've, you've entered the culture again, uh, yeah. that is uh, that is a huge communications, a huge reassurance problem to address. I mean, there's no there's no getting around it. Um, so yeah. on a on a on a more uh, positive note uh, <laughs> for, for, for my uh, news this month, um, ingenuity. Uh, ingenuity uh so nasa's plucky little mars helicopter uh yeah. it it finally i think it's from the sound of it it hit a, hit something on the way down uh broke a blade off uh mm. but 72 flights uh there uh what an amazing achievement for um you know aeronautics a- aeronautics yeah. is now multi-planetary uh yes. so you know when, when you're talking about aeronautics you're not just talking about earth you're talking about the rest of the the the, the solar system as well, yeah. uh, and it, it opens up. I think it opens up a, a whole range of possibilities for um, you know a fixed wing or or rotary wing uh, flying machines to support astronauts. Yeah. Uh, you know, exploring in the future as to you know we, we take it for granted. We take it for granted that that there'll always be an aircraft or there'll be something over to look over well what's over the next hill yeah um have, having something like that scouting out the terrain uh when you are exploring a new planet yeah, yeah. um and, really. and nasa are already looking at this aren't they you know, we've, we've got one in the news this month which is their um they're looking at a fixed wing aircraft solar powered vtol fixed wing uncrewed aircraft to explore the red pa- red planets so uh, it's called the Mars Aerial and Ground Intelligent Explorer, which neatly abbreviates to Maggie. Um, Maggie, so, yeah. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, we, we know NASA does look, love a good acronym, doesn't it? So, so Maggie's going to have a range of 179 kilometres when fully charged. I say VTOL capable, um, and they're looking at using deflected slipstream to uh, take off and land vertically. So, yeah, clearly, you know, son or daughter of ingenuity is already on the drawing board somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, sort of have a break now and uh, join us after the break, and we will look at uh, what's coming up in the next issue of Aerospace. And welcome back uh, to Aerospace NOTAM for March 2024. So, um, Steve, what features we got in the March 2024 issue to look forward to? What have you been, well, uh, what are you excited got, about? Uh, yeah, we've got the whole gamut as, as usual, haven't we? A lot of space stuff in this issue. Uh, I want to start with something we called Starters for 10, um, which is written by uh, Professor Graham Braithwaite and Jim Angus uh, from Cranfield University, um, who are looking at the... 10 biggest challenges facing sustainable aviation. Um, some of them obvious, some of them perhaps not so. So, you know, we've, we've got, yeah, we all know SAF plays a few part in the future, but we also know that we need to scale up the production of SAF dramatically. And this is something which, if you listen to our podcast from Singapore, you will have heard us talking about, you know, Singapore, a huge uh, manufacturer of, of sustainable aviation fuel. Um, but uh, as, as the, the authors here have highlighted, you know, we need investment in in SAF production to to scale up that on a on a dramatic scale between now and and 2050. Um, and 
yeah, other things, you know, looking at SAF offsets, the uh, carbon offsets, sorry, the integrity of those, um, and also the biodiversity loss that goes with the um, yeah, the, the whole sustainable aviation, sustainable flight industry. Um, so I think, yeah, if you, you look back at the, um, the the recent Virgin Atlantic flights that uh, flew across the uh, Atlantic on um, 100% SAF, you know, it's um, made from 100% new crops. So yeah. we're, we're almost we're giving with one hand and taking with another. So I think we, that as, as the, they've pointed out in the article here, it needs to be a whole joined up um, theory, concept, application of just what are we doing with sustainable aviation fuel? I know there's, there's concerns about where this is coming from. Uh, you know, and there's, there's issues with palm oil in some countries. There's issues with taking crops. You know, we already have a, a world which is in need of food. So are we taking away the food to the food stock? to make our sustainable aviation fuel. So a really interesting article and um, I think quite a very thought-provoking one as well. Brilliant, yeah. Um, so from sustainable sustainable aviation to I suppose to sustainable space, uh, we've got two articles uh, two articles this month on uh, space debris, uh, space space traffic management, I suppose you'd, you'd call it. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, that is a hot topic at the moment because this week we have... Uh, we had a oh well almost a, a major uh, catastrophic uh, collision in space between a NASA satellite and a, a defunct Russian satellite, uh, and they missed by 20 meters, uh, yeah. and that could have set off all sorts of, uh, I'd say, the, the Kessler syndrome. But uh, it, it wouldn't have been good. Uh, those two uh, and, and 20 meters is is just that is too close. So. Really uh, sort of topical articles there by uh, Bella Richards and also uh, Teresa Polterova uh, looking at how to avoid orbital mayhem. You know, is it time for a space IARCO, space traffic control, uh, and yeah. also ways in which you can ways you can, you can mitigate it? So, you know, there's, there's obviously people there working on uh, ideas to uh to, to 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 clean up uh, low Earth orbit in in terms of bringing junk down, but also uh, make your spacecraft so that they deorbit, um, uh, you know, they they don't create it in the first first place, you know, uh, don't well, leave any, that, don't leave anything yeah. up there. Well, that fits in with our pushing the envelope in this month as well, doesn't it? From Rob Coppinger, which is the self-eating rocket. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, a, a joint um, Glasgow University and uh, University of Ukraine project to um, create a rocket which uses its own shell, if you like, as part of its fuel. So, um, you know, not only you reducing the weight of getting the rocket up there, but you're also reducing the the amount of space junk which uh, which you're putting up there. So, yeah, they, that fits in quite nicely as well. And a self-eating rocket, I suppose, also could be uh, and could be useful for um, you know uh, terrestrial missiles, rockets, yeah. uh, which we'll be looking at in another article. We did, yeah. We um, have got Jack Richardson uh, went out to Germany for us to uh, visit MBDA, so the European uh, uh, Missile House, um, and getting an update on some of the projects that are out there. So we're um, looking at Taurus. Um, which is sort of a, a bunker busting bomb, if you like, um, through to Storm Shadow and Scalp and some of the uh, the missiles, which are getting a lot of profile at the moment for their use in Ukraine. Um, yeah, Meteor and uh, also 
what interested me was the joint fire support missile, which is being developed for Germany. Um, so, yeah, a big hundred billion dollar project there that Germany is uh, allocated to, um, to to looking at their their joint fire support um, in, um, capabilities. So, uh, yeah, a whole uh, a whole gamut of, um, of, of different weapons in here, all of which come from a European powerhouse. And of course, with a, a good UK bent on it as well, with um, you know, a, a lot of UK people working on for MBDA, both in Europe and here in the UK. Yeah, I mean, as we as we record this po- uh, podcast, uh, the, the German uh, Chancellor has, has, has still ruled out, um, uh, you know, so sending tours to there. It's obviously a long-range uh, strike rec- weapon, long-range cruise missile. Um, his argument is um, that it will need it, somehow. It will need, you know, even though you can sling it on a um, sling it on, on a, a you know like a fence or like, like you've done done with, with storm shadows uh his argument is it will need some uh german expertise in the targeting and you know the targeting and the, the programming uh something like that and mm-hmm. uh you know they, they they target control uh and and he he's uh, he's reluctant obviously there to to um Involve Germany directly in the kind of kill chain. Uh, so that, that, that is the latest thing on that. You know, uh, obviously the Ukrainians have been crying out for, for, for more and more weapons. Uh, send us F-16, send us Taurus, um, and, and help us, uh, help us put Russian targets, uh, further behind the, 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 uh, the lines at risk. Uh, it still seems that that is still, um, you know, a kind of a no-go area. Despite all <laughs> the other stuff, despite all the other stuff that is being sent there. Yeah, there was talk at one point about a missile swap, wasn't there, with um, Germany sending Taurus yeah. to Britain. Um, but um, still, still waiting the sign-off on that at the moment. Um, um, right. So what else have we got? We've got some artificial intelligence features. Tim, do you want to talk about those? Yeah, so obviously AI has uh, is a hot topic at the moment. Uh, so we've got a couple of features there looking at how um, AI uh, can help uh, aerospace um or or be used i mean obviously and also uh, the dangers of ai we we've we've, uh, we've looked at that uh, as well before in the past uh, and and just having an understanding of some of the key concepts uh, the levels of insure assurance um and 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 things like that um but also um you know the risks involved uh, yeah. of um of where where things may go wrong and relying on it too much you know um what what do you need to put into place what what are the guardrails um uh, and things like that but but uh, looking at it from maybe the 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 MRO uh, type of uh uh type of uh, uh sort of like use cases and and also maybe just in in uh ticket pricing Sure. Uh, you know, to, uh, historical using it for his, AI for historical pricing data. I mean, uh, yield demand man, management uh, that, that the airlines use, and that uh, I mean, we, we, we've heard this, um, we've sort of seen this in, in other come out, come out of other sectors recently. Of people being sort of saying, well, you know, uh, there's going to be other, I can't remember if it's concert tickets or something else like that. Of uh, when it's busy. You know, yeah. prices go go up, and you'll, well, airlines have done this done, done this done this for for um, uh, for years, mm-hmm. but it's now applying a new level of uh, I suppose kind of granularity or, or data to kind of spot these historical trends and go, okay, well, uh, 
you know, here, here's a good time to gradually increase our prices as we get closer there. Or, uh, you know, this particular bit, this particular part of the year, there'll be a spike in in bookings because guess what? It's the school holidays, you know, yes, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Um, mm. Optimizing, you know, optimizing, optimizing the 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 the, the uh, ticketing, optimizing revenue, uh, and also optimizing uh, fleet management. And when 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 airlines at the moment are are kind of struggling, struggling with yeah. getting enough aircraft, getting enough pilots, uh, where where do you where do you apply these resources? You know, um, yeah. uh, and, and put they put these in. So AI can help in that. Brilliant. And then you know the scheduling with the MRO as well. It's um, yeah, so much. Possible implementation, isn't there? Um, yeah. So the other one I want to talk about briefly before we, we head on to other things is an article by Professor Keith Hayward. Um, we know Keith, friend of the society. Um, he does love to go into the National Archives and have a dig around. And uh, he's had a look at 60 years of Skynet. So um, first Skynet satellite launched 60 years ago in this year. Um, so you know, Skynet military satellite communications project initially. And uh, we're now up to um, potentially Skynet 6. Um, so promised funding for UK military space includes five billion over the next decade. And uh, Keith has looked at um, the the development of Skynet over the, the six decades and its growing importance now. So looking whereas last month we looked at AEW in space, this is more of a communication satellite. So communication with boots on the ground, you know, how they communicate back to base with aircraft, with ships, with the, the whole joined up ecosystem of the battlefield. Um, and, um, you know, as you would imagine from Keith, a really interesting and insightful read. Uh, but he also goes on to talk about the Galileo gap. So as I'm sure listeners are aware when uh, when we left uh, the uh, Europe during Brexit, we lost access to the Galileo positioning data satellite. So that's having a knock on effect as well. So um it's um, a, a really it's a really interesting piece, actually, both from a historical point of view uh, and also, you know, the, the forward looking how, how the Five Eyes group progress into the next decade and beyond. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, our Skynet is going to be topical this year for everybody. Uh, it's six billion, uh, 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 six billion uh, pounds worth uh, defense program. Um, you know, uh, and we're looking for second uh, second phase of competition starting in expected start in December 2024. Uh, winner will be announced in the uh, I think 2025. I think is the, the last last I heard from it. So all to, all to play for. Airbus is the um, is a kind of uh, the home champion, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and it'd be interesting actually to see um, as well as the bigger data. Um, the, the bigger sort of uh, you know kind of more throughput of data which you want for for these satellites obviously you know uh, more video more data more bandwidth etc mm-hmm. etc et is what um what hardening or what um sort of space I was going to say, I was to say space warfare but space yes. uh defenses might be incorporated into them so you think now about the kind of proximity operations you think about uh the idea of hostile satellites who might be pinging your satellites with radar or releasing other small satellites to get close yeah. uh, or, or things like that. So 
it'll be interesting too, and uh, probably probably buried highly highly in 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 some of the requirements there as to um, you know what what are what are the what are, what defensive capabilities might be added to this. Uh, yes. they're, they're, they're big. Big expensive, uh, you know, assets, and uh, we've already sort of seen now, and that was actually a bit of the news we didn't mention uh, that was came out of the US, and I think we probably we, we should mention it is uh, about the Russian um, anti-satellite uh, weapon, or there was there was a, the suggestions yeah. of Russia putting nuclear nu- nuclear weapons in space. I think we're talking about more about nuclear propulsion or nuclear uh, nuclear powered EW capability. But that uh, again, past past sort of like uh, a month, uh, that sort of set off alarm bells in the US, en- enough yeah. for them to go public on it. Uh, mm. So um, yeah, very, space very much uh, in the in the news at the moment. So uh, yeah, and then obviously in this issue we've got our usual uh, book reviews, we've got the events, uh, we've got GA design competition winners, uh, we've got yeah. nice uh, nice uh, electric biplane there, acrobatic bi- biplane. Uh, really, got, I mean, one of them looks like a, a, a you know a, a beach stagger wing for the new generation, doesn't it? It's a great looking <laughs> machine. <laughs> uh, we got our, our, our book reviews as well. Uh, we got a report from uh, the Waybridge branch, uh, and, and just a, a plea really here for uh, anyone from our local branch, our, our branches around the world, branches division around the world. Uh, do send us your, your 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 news. Do send us your lecture reports. Uh, we're always interested to, to to hear them, to to have, have them submitted. Uh, do send them to uh, either myself or Bella Richards, features editor. Our details are in the front of the magazine, and we can include your uh, your news and your upcoming events and what have you in the magazine. Yeah. Right, over to that. Uh, what have we got in in terms of upcoming events? Well, um, starting in house, um, we've got our International Women's Day, our President's event on um, the fifth of March. Um, so that's that's one to look forward to. And then um, the following month in April, we've got our Energy from Space conference. That's on the 17th to the 19th of April. And a couple of days after that, we've got our Aviation Quiz Night, the latest of our Aero Society Lates events. So um, those who came last year will um, be no doubt tearing their hair out and saying, I hope Steve isn't writing the questions again. But I'm afraid I am. So there'll, be some, te- there'll be some esoteric <laughs> questions in there. But that's um, so everything from aviation news from the last 12 months to I mean, last year, I think one of our themes was Greek mythology. So we had aircraft uh, and spacecraft named after characters from ancient mythology. So I think Apollo and Poseidon and things like that. So we, we tend to go off piste a little bit, perhaps not just the uh, the anoraki aviation knowledge questions that you might expect from an aviation quiz. We uh, think a little bit more laterally. So uh, that's on the evening of April the 24th. So um, that sold out very quickly last year. And I, I know from speaking to the events team, it's uh, it's selling quickly again now. So if it's something you'd like to join us at, please do. You can come along with your own team. Or you can join us on the night as a singleton and we will put you together with perhaps people you've never met before. But that doesn't necessarily matter because last year's quiz was won by a team of four people who had never met before the night. Exactly. Yes. No, no, that's that's a really good night out. Uh, a huge success last year. Uh, and I think it's going to be another another winner there. So, yeah, sign up, sign up now, uh, register quickly because uh, we, we were turning people away last last year. Unfortunately, yeah. it was just it yeah. was just overbooked. Um, brilliant. Right. Um, well, moving on. 
Ooh. Yep, we've got we've got our FCAS yeah. summit as well, yes. haven't we? Do you want to talk about that one? That's very much your bag, Tim. Yeah, so um, Future Combat Air and Space Capabilities Summit, that's 21st, uh, 23rd of May. Obviously, uh, hugely successful uh, last year and uh, topical and newsworthy um, in a number of different ways. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's returning. Uh, and I've, we've, we've seen, I've seen some hints of uh, speakers and uh, the topics there. And, it's, yeah, it's going to be a, even better this year. Uh, really looking forward to this. Um, obviously, further in the, in, into June, then we get into the air show season. We got we got uh, six of uh, six of June, uh, 80th anniversary of D-Day. So uh, there should be some some uh, uh, C-47 Dakotas heading over, shouldn't there? Yeah, the uh, the D-Day squadron are coming over again from the US. I think they're bringing seven or eight across the Atlantic and joining up with European-based. C-47 Skytrains or Dakotas or whatever we want to call them, whatever designation you want to go for. But one of them is actually an R-4D, uh, so U.S. Navy aeroplane uh, operated by the Commemorative Air Force. That was the first time that aeroplane has been in the U.K. and in Europe since the war. So that's one I'm particularly looking forward to seeing. And a number of events planned for that, both at North Weald and at Duxford, uh, down at the Pottery, and then, of course, on the 6th itself, flying over the uh, the English Channel over to France, 80 years to the day from D-Day. So, yeah, very, very poignant um, weekend and of events that is going to be. Um, but I think it's, D-Day is going to be celebrated at various other events this year. And I know um, some of those Dakotas are going to be at Sywell on um, June the um, 21st, 22nd, the um, summer solstice weekend. Um, and Sywell is shaping up to be probably one of the best air shows in Europe this decade, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I would go as far as saying that. It, it, yeah, the, the mix of aircraft that uh, Richard Grace and the team from Air Leasing have, have got booked so far, and they've not finished announcing aeroplanes yet, but this is an event which a number of people have been um, sort of dubbing the new Flying Legends, but I don't think it really is because you know, Flying Legends was an air, an air show which was specifically about big piston engine World War II fighters and bombers. And that is certainly a big element of, of the Cyborg 2024 event. But they've also got aerobatic aeroplanes. They're, yeah. they're, they're teasing modern military participants as well. So I think more of a show for everybody uh, than a pure flying legend, which, you know, Tim, you and I love flying legends. It, you know, it, it's always been a highlight of our season. But I think bringing in, I mean, there's, there's a game bird, um, GB1, yeah. going to be flown by, I think, Steve Jones. So having that lighter end of aviation, extreme aerobatics, um, and the, yeah, and Danny's and co are bringing the um, the wing walking steersman across from Switzerland. So I think there's going to be something for everybody at Cywell. But then for the, the the real aviation enthusiasts, there's going to be some real gems. And yeah, Fokker D21 replica. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, first first appearance outside uh, outside the Netherlands for that. Uh, that's that's a, a real coup. Um, and yeah, all sorts of very, very interesting aeroplanes, right down to First World War One. I'm not going to say replicas, I'm going to say reproductions, because Michael Carlson from Sweden's bringing his Fokker DR1 and his D7 across, both of which have got original engines and are built to original blueprints. And, um, if you've, uh, if you've never seen Michael fly these aeroplanes, you're in for a treat at Cywell. They, uh, you know, he really does ring them out and show what the performance you've got of this, uh, you know, very, early technology warplane. So so I'm really looking forward to Cywell. I think that's that's going to be great. And uh, two weeks before that, first weekend in June, we've got Midland Airfest. 
Um, yep. So an event which um, I've supported for a very long time. And uh, as I think I've said on pretty much every podcast so far, it really is the air show for everybody because it has everything from the turbulent team doing their limbo dancing and flower bombing through to and we've not got the uh, RAF participation confirmed this year, but normally the Red Arrows are there, the Typhoon is there, the Falcons parachute team, so and all in the grounds of the Stately Homes. So, yeah, where are we? We're, we're still in February as we record this. And yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever in recent memory recall an air show season that's got off to such an exciting start with announcements, yeah, big announcements being made. So, you know, Midland Air Festival, as, as well as that, they've announced they've got the Saab Draken coming in from uh, from Sweden nice. for the second year running, as well as a Vampire and an F-86 Sabre. So you've got that classic jet element as well. And, you know, I don't think I felt this excited about an air show season since I was a child. It just seems to really have got a <laughs> 2024 really seems to have a buzz about it. And, uh, you know, we're only just starting to get the announcements now for Riyadh. And for Cosford as well, so um, I think it's going to be a year to remember. Yeah, and we've got obviously got uh, we got Riyadh and uh, we've got Farnborough there in in the summer to look forward to. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's good. I mean, we we there was obviously uh, there's obviously some air shows that have uh, fallen by the wayside, and yeah. uh, there was a little bit of a depressing time to be a to be an aviation enthusiast when you sort of saw that, that Flying Legends was, was, uh, was you know, kind of uh, taking a, 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 a break and what have mm-hmm. you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, pleasantly, um, pleasantly kind of optimistic, I think. Uh, yeah. It was, definitely so. Yeah, definitely yeah. so. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where we, we've covered everything, I think, on there. So I noticed... I took a book away to read with me in Singapore, and I'm only about two chapters into it. But uh, I think you've been watching <laughs> Masters of the Air, haven't you, Tim? I've, I haven't managed to catch up with Masters of the Air yet. But, yeah. Uh, so let me know so your thought. I know we were quite sceptical to start with, weren't we? What are your thoughts now? So having been about uh, three, four episodes in, uh, and it's growing on me. Uh, it, it is growing on me. So obviously um, the story of the 8th Air Force uh, in uh, B-17s, World War Two. Uh, should tick all the boxes. The trailer, um, the trailer for some reason just le- just le- left me a little bit cold. Mm. Uh, I was looking at that. I was looking at going the, gosh, this looks a bit um, Call of Duty World War Two. Um, mm. it, was, it was HDR. It seemed on you know um, on on the colours seemed to be all over the shop. Everything seemed to be like a sunset or a sunrise. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, God, it just didn't didn't look real um and the first episode again uh without any spoilers for anyone it, it, there's something there's something askew with the the, the, the flight modeling of the the b-17s and that's kind of like oh, uh, mm. i'm not sure i can I, i'm not sure i can kind of overlook this um given how well the rest of the the, the detail is done but having said that it is now coming into its own and um i'm just it's just, a, I think it's just a stylistic um, choice, uh, much mm-hmm. as you you watched uh, Band of Brothers and uh, Saving Private Ryan, and, and everything was there within the, was kind of had this sort of a grey, um, grey sort of like uh, kind of look where there was yeah. loads of debris going over the camera all the time, and and and, and there was lots of kind of camera grain stuff uh, there, and it looked a bit kind of washed out, and, and that was sort of set by. Uh, you know, Band of Brothers, uh, sort of like this, this, this kind of grey, washed out kind of look. Um, 
Master there has got a, 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 a different feel. It's more sort of colourful, I think, you know, at least in the action sequences. But um, detail is absolutely fantastic. You know, um, start-up sequences and... Um, Magnetos and and uh, going there and 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 you know uh, ditching the Norden bomber site on one one kind of occasion and also explain why they're doing it. Uh, there's there's a little bit of, of cliches here and there, but but other stuff is is you know you look at it and, and the the actors are all period uh, correct period age, so yeah. you, you you're not you're not pulled out of that by going well why is uh, you know why is Brad Pitt in there and he's you know um, He's, he's trying to play a, like a 19 year old everybody's there uh no sort of major famous faces uh, in, in there um mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah uh I'm, oh. i really am enjoying it now well the one i've been looking forward to is uh the second series of sas rogue heroes but um it looks like we've got to wait a little bit of a wait for that they finished filming the last i've heard but um there is talk that that might be released around october time so um I'm tenderhooks for that one, waiting for, because, you know, you know, I'm big fans of, of SAS Road Heroes when it came on the BBC, what, just over a year ago. So uh, that's that's one I'm particularly looking forward to. OK, uh, uh, what have you been reading then? What have I been reading? I started to read a book by Chris Hadfield, well-known astronaut, uh, called The Apollo Murders. So as you can probably tell from the title, it's a book of fiction, you would hope, but it certainly is. Uh, set in 1973, and it's on Apollo 18. So obviously there were only 17 Apollo missions. And the premise of the book is that Apollo 18 is a top secret mission to the moon. Um, so you've got Russian-American crews sprinting to a secret bounty hidden away under the lunar surface. Um, and um, from the stage I've got to so far, not everybody on Apollo 18 is who they appear to be. So I'll report back on that next month. But that sounds like, uh, well, certainly the first couple of chapters I've read have really got me gripped. So um, I'll uh, report back on my findings this time next month. Having read that, uh, I can I can guarantee you're in for a treat. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> OK. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, say, I'll say no more anyway. OK, um, thank you. Anyway, with that, uh, we're coming up to, uh, to, to almost a, an hour here, so I'm going to we'll wrap this up now. So uh, where can people keep up to date with Arius the Mag? Uh, we are on aerosociety.com is our website. That's also we where we host our uh, twice-weekly Insight blog, um, which over the last week has been more than twice-weekly because we've been doing our daily uh, Singapore blogs. So if you want to catch up on all of our Singapore news, you can find that as well on aerosociety.com. Click on the Insight page. Um, personally, you'll find me at uh, Twitter or X on R-A-E-S Steve B. And you'll also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook as Stephen with a PH, Stephen Bridgewater. Fantastic. OK, and I'm uh, Arias Tim R uh, on, on X. Uh, and as ever, any, any uh, questions, feedback, uh, views, uh, do send them in. And a reminder, we're on, we're on now on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes. So, uh, until, until next month, uh, where we return, um, hopefully with, with Bella. Um, yeah, I'll see you next, we'll see you next time. All right. Take care. See you next month, guys. Bye.